welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. in this place amen 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 surely the presence of the Lord is here tonight I want to take your attention to second Kings 6 8 through 18 I've got a whole lot of lot to say in a short amount of time to do it but thank you so much for your kindness Congratulations for this past week. It was so, so refreshing to see the love and support. I love you guys. You guys are family and this is home. Amen. I heard someone once say, if you ever see a turtle sitting atop a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. And I am only here by the grace of God and for the glory of God. So that's what we're going to do. Amen. Amen. Second Kings 6. Thank you to all those who've come tonight to support me. I love you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Can we welcome our visitors one more time? Verse 8, once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. The king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. The mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. He called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. He said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us, are more than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Amen. I am going to attempt to preach by the help of the Lord this message, the two lies of self-help. Anybody ever heard of the genre self-help? Read a book? We're going to talk about the two lies of self-help. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus, for the power that's in this place. We're thankful for your word tonight. I pray, God, that your word would go forth and not return void, but accomplish whatsoever you would desire to accomplish in this place. Help us, God, not just to be 
stirred, but help us to be changed and transformed here tonight by the power that is in your word. We're thankful in advance for what you're going to do in this place. And we give all glory and honor and praise unto the King of kings and Lord of lords. Your name is Jesus. And we're thankful that you're in this place. If you're going to help me preach tonight, clap your hands one more time unto the Lord. Amen, amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. It should come to no surprise to most of you tonight that I enjoy shopping. And my wife says, amen. I'm an equal opportunity shopper. I like grocery stores. I like clothing stores. I like ice cream places. And my most favorite is the bookstore. There's something unique about looking around and shopping for clothes. There's so many different styles. Looking at the creative outfits that the employees put together and trying out at outlandish patterns only to have Diana scold me and say absolutely not. But I've got to be honest with everyone here tonight. There is an aspect of shopping that just really just grinds my gears. I hate it when they ask me, Can I help you? Now hear me, if you work in retail, I'm not trying to be offensive. I get it. I know you've got a job to do. I know you've been trained and instructed to make sure me as the customer is taken care of. Thank you. Once is understandable. Twice, I get it. But when you ask me seven times in ten minutes, I mean seriously. I get it honestly. My dad... He's the same way, albeit a a bit more crass. If we were in Home Depot and someone asked, can I help you? He might rudely respond, I doubt it. (laughs) I remember one time we were going through the hardware store and a guy says, excuse me, sir, can I help you? And so my dad, against his better judgment, decided to give it a try. So he explains to the gentleman that he needs such and such electrical part. To which the man responds, I'm sorry, sir, I work in plumbing. (laughs) There is one particular store, and I I won't mention it by name, that that just really can get to me. I I really have to take Paul up, Brother Bobby, on the whole walking in the spirit thing when I go to this store. Because I know if this individual is on duty, I am fixing to get harassed. And sure of not, the onslaught of inquiries begins. Can I help you, sir? Are you looking for anything particular? Do you need help finding a size? What is your blood type? I mean, the the questions are absolutely relentless. And it's my, my default to automatically respond. Whatever the store, with no thanks, I'm good. I don't need any help. But the problem with that sort of automatic response is that you can speak prematurely. One time a worker came up to me and asked if I needed help. And I abruptly said, no thanks, I'm good. Not realizing I was actually standing there waiting for somebody to ask me for help for a shoe size. You think I'm joking. In our world today, we want independence. We don't want to admit when something's wrong. Admit when we're in need or say the words, I need help. But there are areas of life that require us to swallow our pride and say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. 
I, I need your help. There are times when self-help just isn't going to cut it. And you're going to have to say, like Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. For my help comes from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Come on, we need to get that in our spirit tonight. The same God who spoke the world into existence. The same God that formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into him the breath of life. The same God who placed the stars in the sky and knows everyone by name. That same God. I will lift my eyes unto the creator of the universe where my help comes from. Are you thankful tonight to know that you can go to the creator for some help tonight stumbled across this article preparing for tonight why the self help industry is dominating the US in 1859 there were two impactful books that were published and released the first was the origin of the species by Charles Darwin Highly contested work arguing for the theory of evolution which set the trajectory for subsequent generations. But the second book was written by Samuel Smiles titled Self-Help. Smiles argued for the self-improvement of individuals through a never-say-die approach. This book quickly became an overnight success in the 19th century, outselling even Charles Darwin's work on evolution. To be sure, the threat of independence upon which this country has been founded contributed to the desire to depend on oneself alone. If we were honest tonight, we each desire a certain degree of self-sufficiency. Whether it's from the government, jobs, or society in general. And for that reason, the self-help industry finds itself on an upward trajectory. It feels as though each week a new book dedicated to personal development and self-improvement releases on Amazon, attracting large swaths of millennials and Gen Zers. Social media influence release a short clip of an inspiring message with a cool beat in the background. And all of a sudden, we feel a sense of inspiration to take on the world alone. It's no wonder that in 2016, the self-help industry was worth an astounding $9.9 billion but is projected to reach $13.2 billion next year. Now, I am in no way insinuating that these books, podcasts, and seminars are inherently wrong. They're certainly good to be gained. I think improving our health and fitness, education, career skill sets, and even hobbies are wonderful ambitions. But my fear is that we are creating a society that is deceived into thinking we can actually help ourselves, that we have the answers within us, that the solution to every problem can be solved with lattes around the local Starbucks. We don't need the help. We are the help. But despite what the world says, we can't be fooled into believing that we can actually help ourselves, for it's not by power and it's not by might, but it's by the Spirit of the living God. 
It's not manufactured by human ingenuity. I can't try hard enough. I can't work for it. But I've got to depend solely on the Spirit of God. Is there anybody thankful for the Holy Ghost in this place? Is there anybody excited? You've got the Spirit of the living God in you. Jesus told the crowd in John 6, No one can come to me lest the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. There's got to be a thankfulness for the Father who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm talking to some people in this building. You've lost your ever-loving mind in the past, but God has given you a peace that passes all understanding. Come on, I'm talking to some people who were sitting on a bar stool. But the conviction of God set in. And he reminded you, you don't need to be here. I've got something greater. Don't settle for less than my best. You see, the first lie of self-help comes from within. It's the carnal mind that suggests you can do this on your own. You don't need nobody for nothing. You aren't dependent upon anyone or any God. But the truth of the word of God declares that it was the blood of the precious Lamb of God that redeemed our sinful flesh. For God showed his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died. We all need it. All of us depend on His mercy. All of us need His grace. For behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. I was born lost and headed to a devil's hell. But the good news is, I don't have to help myself. Because 2,000 years ago, there was a place called Calvary. And a man named Cheat. And he took the sin and he took the shame. He who knew no sin was made sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God. Come on, there's only one who can save our souls. There's only one peace giver. There's only one who can heal our disease. There's only one who can set us free from addiction. And it's time to remind ourselves, there's only one answer. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And his name is Jesus. In our opening text this evening, we find the nation of Israel once again in conflict. This time the king of Syria was plotting to ambush the people of God in a moment of vulnerability. The Bible offers a, a glimpse into the strategic development of the Syrian king. He told his people at this time and at this place we're going to attack the nation of Israel. It was a crafty plan. No doubt the adversary of the people of God. The location was perfect. The timing couldn't have been better. By all accounts this was a true and sure victory for this king. But unfortunately for the king of Syria... 
there was a man of God by the name of Elisha. Elisha was a prophet of the Lord of hosts, and he had a direct connection with heaven. So Elisha confidently notifies the king of Israel the devious plans against the nation. And listen what he says. Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. I want us to notice tonight the process of their victory. Beware that you don't go there. It wasn't enough for the man of God to know the plan. The people of God had to avoid the danger themselves. Can I stop right here and say some of us in this room are fighting unnecessary battles because we are meeting the enemy right where they are. The man of God declares from the word of God, don't go there. Avoid that. We shouldn't watch that. I don't think those are the right people to hang around. But it's up to us to make the decision and say, I'm going to avoid the conflict altogether. Instead of battling that lustful spirit. Turn off those movies and shows that evoke unclean thoughts. Beware! Don't go there. Instead of living depressed about how different you are, maybe you need to start unfollowing some accounts on Instagram that make you feel like you're missing out. Beware! Don't go there. Come on, I've got a news flash for you. It doesn't matter how the world paints it. It doesn't matter how fun it looks on social media. When you are in the church, you aren't missing a single thing. Come on, there's some people that need to make that declaration tonight. Right now, the Lord has dropped that place into your spirit. You know what you need to do. You know who you need to avoid. You know what you need to shut off. You know who you need to unfriend and unfollow. And in the name of Jesus, I pray a boldness comes upon you to beware of that place. Here's what I love about this text. Verse 12 states, Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself more than once or twice. You know what that means? Every time the enemy set up a trap, the man of God provided a voice of warning. You want to know why the enemy fights you tooth and nail to come to the house of God? Because the enemy knows that that is where his strategy is exposed. So when we walk in on Wednesday and we're battered and bruised and we limp in on Sunday barely hanging on by a thread, there's a fresh word from heaven that reminds you, be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a warring lion seeking someone to... This is where we are reminded that the enemy is waiting ahead. Be alert. Say, be alert. Be watchful. The enemy is looking for somebody to pounce on. But it doesn't have to be you.
keep coming to the house of the Lord. It's where we get our strength. It's where the enemy's plans are revealed. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. Now is not the time to leave the house of God. Now is the time to run to it. So we find in verse 11 that the king of Syria is so furious that his plans, they just keep, just keep getting spoiled. He actually believes somebody's a traitor. Somebody's in his circle sending the information. But what he didn't realize is that he was up against the people of the one true God. He must have believed that that this was some pagan nation. He must have thought that they served a God that couldn't respond or hear or see. But what he soon found out is that the people of God serve the creator of the universe. The God who operates outside of time and space. And nothing is kept from the Lord of hosts. So finally the king of Syria inquires about the man behind the misfortune. He soon discovers that it was Elisha the prophet. Outraged that his plans are continually dashed by this old prophet. The king finally learns of his whereabouts. He's in Dothan. So the plan is in place to send an army with horses and chariots to surround this inconvenient prophet. Notice that the enemy moved at night. A time of darkness. A time where vision is unclear. A time of vulnerability. Let me stop right here and say the enemy will not attack you when you're on the mountaintop. He's going to wait. He's not coming after you when you're on fire for God. He's not coming after you when you leave youth congress or camp meeting. He doesn't attack you when you're riding high. No, he's going to wait until you're blinded by the uncertainty and wondering which way to turn. It's in the nighttime seasons of life that he comes in and whispers doubt. It's when you feel alone and in the dark that he surrounds you with discouragement, fear, and loneliness. The enemy will move at night. So the next morning, Elisha's servant wakes up. And he discovers they are completely surrounded. No place to turn. No help to send for. Surely they will be captured and no doubt perish for their crimes against the Syrian king. Imagine with me the fear of the servant. This whole time they've managed to stay out of harm's way. They were always one step ahead of the enemy. And now they wake up only to realize their luck has ended. Time's up, they're surrounded. But Elisha is a man of faith. He doesn't operate in the natural world. Because in the natural world, all was hopeless. They couldn't help themselves. But in the spiritual realm, Elisha knew, I can't help myself, but I don't have to. And in the middle of what felt like utter destruction... Elisha had a walk with God that empowered him to say, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are against us. 
when you are connected to God, what causes others to panic in the natural realm doesn't even phase you. An economic crisis doesn't shake your faith because you serve the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The anti-God agenda doesn't intimidate you because you know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's not a physical battle. We aren't against governments. We aren't against politicians or any other person. We are against hell itself. But the best part is I've already read the back of the book. And guess what? We win. We win. We win. Come on, I think you ought to take a praise break and let hell know we win, we win, we win. You're under my feet. Come on, some of you have walked in here and you're feeling defeated. But the Lord has sent me to tell you, we are on the winning side. Don't be afraid. Don't back down. Jesus is here. In verse 17, we read... Oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. The reason you can't shout, some of you in verse 16, that says, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them, is because you haven't gotten the eye-opening revelation of verse 17. But tonight, in the name of Jesus, there's going to be some eyes opening up to the help of the Lord for some people tonight. Come on, church. I know it looks like you're surrounded, but there's a heavenly help that is present for you. Come on. There is more that are for you than against you. I pray right now, in the name of Jesus, some eyes would be opened up so you could see the angels that travel with you every day. You don't have to fear the enemy because greater is is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm running out of time. Okay, we're going to go to the New Testament, Brother Howard. Okay, Mark 4. The Bible says that they were on a ship and they were traveling and a storm comes up out of nowhere. We know that story. There's a storm that comes up out of nowhere. Okay. And the wind is crashing and the waves and water's coming in. And the Bible says, Brother Bobby, that Jesus is napping in the middle of a storm. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't really sleep through storms. There was a storm like last month that was beating against my house, and I, it just woke me up. But Jesus is sleeping. And notice what the disciples. They ask, Master, why don't you care? They didn't say, Master, why don't you stop the storm? Because at the end, they were amazed. 
What manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? They weren't looking for help with the storm. They were looking why Jesus didn't care. Can I tell you that there are some people in this place tonight and you are battling the thoughts that God doesn't care for you. That you're getting tossed in the storm. And there's silence. There's, there's nothing to hold on to and you feel completely overwhelmed. But here's, here's what happens. They, they wake him up and he, he calms the storm. And Jesus is kind of amazed because he's like, I'm with you. You should have trusted me. But notice that it wasn't the storm that woke him up. It wasn't the waves. It wasn't the wind. It was the voice of his disciples. Which means that the storm you're in doesn't stress him out. It doesn't overwhelm him. He's not uncomfortable with what's going on. You know what he's waiting for? He's waiting to hear your voice. He's waiting for you to stop complaining and living in fear. And when you will come to him and say, Master, he'll say, I'm right here. I'm in the boat with you. You don't have to worry. Can we stand together tonight? Before you ever get to peace, be still. You first got to go to the master. And you're wondering why you're not living in peace right now. You're wondering why you're feeling so overwhelmed right now. But let me encourage you, if you will come to the master, he'll respond to your voice. It's, he, he hasn't abandoned you. The Bible says He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So some of us are wondering why help is not on the way. But the reason that help is not on the way is because help is already here. God is my refuge and my strength. He is an ever present help. You don't have to worry about help being on the way. He's already in the boat with you. He's already right there. You just gotta reach out and touch him. You just gotta call unto the master. Don't worry about the storm. Just say Jesus. The first lie of self-help comes from within. It's the lie that says you can help yourself. You can save yourself. You can find the answers yourself. But the second lie of self-help comes from the enemy. And this lie convinces you that you need to help yourself because God won't save you. It's in the lowest moments of that adversity when our adversary whispers that second lie. When you're overwhelmed with depression and hopelessness. When you get that diagnosis and the doctor says there's nowhere to turn. When your marriage is hanging on by a thread. When you've lost your job and your savings account is empty. It's in these moments that hell whispers, see I told you Jesus wouldn't help you. 
For those in this place struggling to recognize the help of the Lord, let me speak directly to your heart tonight. I know it's difficult in the storm to feel the presence of Jesus at times. I know you question whether He's actually with you at all. You think to yourself, help me? You mean to tell me that Jesus cares about me after all I've been through? After all I struggle with? I can almost picture our Savior responding ever so gently with outstretched arms. Revealing His nail-scarred hands saying, I cared this much. Because 2,000 years ago I saw you. And I knew you couldn't help yourself. But not to worry because you don't have to. I've already paid the price. I've already handled the debt. And I've already given you my spirit, which is all the help you will ever need. Tonight, I want to open up these altars. I believe that there are some broken people in this place that need to find some room. I believe there's some hungry people that need to find some room at this altar. There's some people trying their hardest to help themselves. But you just need to surrender to the help of the Almighty God in this place tonight. Quit trying to help yourself. Stop trying to fix everything by yourself tonight. Cast all your cares upon the Lord. Lord, for He cares for you. Could we respond to the word of the Lord tonight? These altars are open. I pray right now that God would begin to send something to your spirit. That God would begin to reveal some things in your heart tonight. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you because we know that in times of distress, in times of trouble, you are an ever-present help. Come on, help is not on the way. Help is already here. He's available for you tonight. Just reach out unto Jesus. Come on, respond to the word of God.